You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that song gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hello and welcome to The Edge, the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show airing weekly on Versus Network. I'm your host, Aaron Martin. This week, we have Kurt Dove joining us to discuss how he breaks down tidal water fishing. And if you have not been exposed to tidal water, uh, this is certainly one that you don't want to miss. Also, you know, it's it's boat show season. This is the time of year that uh, all that cabin fever that if you're not able to get out, if the lakes are frozen or if it's too cold, um, that we can get out and experience and see what all the new technology with regards to boats, motors, tackle, all those neat things. And the Bass Edge crew is actually going to be out and about as well. Uh, you can catch up with us towards uh, the end of the month of February uh, down in Alabama at the Bassmasters Classic, so certainly that's an event that uh, everybody has marked on their calendar. Uh, in between time, you can catch up with us at the St. Louis, Missouri show, the Tulsa, uh, the Dallas show, and then the Columbia, Missouri show. So anyway, a lot of neat things going on there. Make sure if you see us, uh, come up, spend a little time, introduce yourself, and uh, perhaps we can we can swap some fishing stories. We have a, a great podcast ahead of us, so make sure you stick around as Elite Pro Angler Kurt Dove is right up after this short message. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge had the opportunity after uh, fishing and taping with Kurt Dove to be able to sit down and, and really pick Kurt's brain to discuss not only his background of how he got into the sport, but you know, Kurt is one of those unique individuals from the standpoint, he still maintains a full-time job and able to fish the elite tour. That in and of itself is quite an accomplishment, but also, you know, he is a known tidal water expert. So without further delay, let's get down to business. And here's the interview with Kurt Dove. Kurt, thanks so much for being part of this. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Very excited to get into the conversation that uh, topics that we're going to cover today. Um, always find it fascinating. I know when I had the opportunity to spend a little time with you on the Hudson River, a uh, great, great time, changing conditions, obviously, but uh, learned a lot. Uh, one of the things that I always find interesting, you know, in talking with other fellow anglers, uh, whether it be from competitive side or from the standpoint of just recreational, is, you know, how people get introduced or um, get involved in the sport of bass fishing. Yeah, well, my story starts with uh, my father and I. Um, we we began to uh, 
go bass fishing together he took me out and you know first i think in most people's fishing they they start off with panfish or uh you know my dad and i we started fishing underneath a bridge you know in the evenings after work and uh then it kind of evolved and and i wanted to go after bass you know i was really excited and interested in bass so you know i expressed that interest to my dad and we would read books and uh you know get any kind of literature we could to understand how to catch a bass and then we took that knowledge out on the water and when i was seven or eight years old that magical day come when i first caught my first bass and i remember exactly how i caught it it was on a rapala number 11 (laughs) on a big rock bluff and uh i was jerking that thing and and not really working it correctly you know it's a jerk bait or rapala bait is and i was just kind of winding it through the water and and i got that strike and and that was the moment when i became hooked on bass fishing um the fish jumped out of the water as i was trying to get it to the boat i was as excited as could be i think my dad was probably more excited than i was but um that that's how my my fishing journey got started isn't it something how regardless of you know the size or what you catch it on but how those memories and just that experience you know leave lasting memories that's exactly what it is um you know just even here talking to you right now you know i I can still see it going through my mind and that's why you know a lot of times you're you're allowed to explain those special stories so vividly just because uh you know it's something that never leaves it's a a picture that's always there with you so starting from bringing us from the time when you caught your first bass you know to to the present uh how how has your of course now it's a career but how did your involvement in the sport of fishing, you know, migrate or change or evolve? Well, um, you know, like, you know, where I left off when I was seven or eight, you know, it just became just fishing for fun and uh, just getting out there, spending time with my family and, and specifically my father and, and at times my sister. So that took off into, you know, when I got into high school, I really surrounded myself with a, a group of core friends that were also involved with fishing and, and were excited about bass fishing and specifically. So we started to have little competitions with one another, friendly competitions, you know, whether it be after school or on the weekends. But uh, we would get together, and, and that's really when the, the tournament aspect and the competition uh, really became an interest to me of could I catch more fish than, than somebody else or, or could I catch them day after day with different conditions. So um, that's really how my competitive nature got started. From there, I moved on to uh, local tournaments and, uh, you know, tournaments that were around the house. I started out with a, a bass tracker, you know, a 17-foot bass tracker with, with a 40 horsepower on it. And, you know, it, it was the greatest thing since sliced bread when, when I was able to drive that, that boat up and down the river. And, and now, you know, just as my fishing has evolved, boats have evolved. And uh, I've just kind of moved up the chain slowly but surely. Um, it took me a couple years to, to grasp the local level, and then I moved on to the regional level and again you know it took me a couple years to get to know those bodies of water understand the different conditions and and different types of waterways that were out there that um you know really enhanced my my ability to move on to the next level and that was to the national scene so so that's one of the things and you and i have this in common is that the regardless of how far that you want to say go down the rabbit hole in the sport of fishing there's always that opportunity, whether you're standing on the bank of a, your local stream or a farm pond, all the way up to the opposite end of the spectrum of competing nationally. There's various ways to enjoy this sport. Definitely, and definitely. And I think we all, you know, no matter what type of fisherman you are, if, if you enjoy fishing from the bank or, or taking kids fishing all the time or, or you like to, to tournament fish, 
just as you stated, you know, there's so many ways to enjoy the sport and so many ways to embrace it that uh, I think it, it leaves a space for every, you know, man, woman, or child to be able to get involved and participate and have a good time competing and enjoying fishing in general. One of the other challenges that, you know, that is, is often discussed or at least receives some exposure as of recent is, you know, the, the age. Um, before on the trail, obviously, most of the anglers were seasoned veterans. Um, you know, coming in now is really what I call the new regime or a changing of the guard, if you will, because mm-hmm. of the popularity of the sport. Right. Has, you know, the, your age, you're, you're fairly young. How old are you? I'm 34. 30, yeah, yep. 34. Um, has that inhibited you in any way or helped you, in, in your opinion, or really been an indifference? Um, I think it helps uh, in some ways, and um, I think it hurts in others. Ways I think that it helps is uh, I'm bringing, I'm I'm fresh. You know, my mind is fresh. I'm not hung up on what happened 20 years ago or 15 years ago. I know what's happening in the last five years, so I'm bringing new, innovative ways to catch fish and to um, look for and find fish in different bodies of water throughout the country. Um, the ways that I think that it hurts, you know, where where my my age hurts or my lack of experience hurts is in competition when you are um you know competing against the rick clons and and the kevin van dams and and those types of people on on the uh on the national tournament scene it it really makes you step back and, and realize that boy they have some experiences that i've never seen and when there's a change or a condition change or or you know slight little adjustment like a bait change they can make it a little bit faster than i can so it helps them you know in in over a three-day or four-day tournament it helps them be able to weigh maybe a little bit better bag than i did but uh you know the key for me is to continue to learn get more experience and i think you know i'm right on their heels and, and ready to take take it a little bit further so well and you've certainly demonstrated that uh thus far you know you brought up a good point as far as requiring to you know to stay fresh or fishing the moment if you will is is another uh key term that's that's lingo that's often used yeah when i fished with you on the hudson um you know i was amazed at it's it's a tidal water system you're somewhat of a of a tidal water expert right i grew up fishing the potomac yes there's there's so many factors that that can affect the tide. Um, break down some some of those factors that come into the tide. Okay, um, the, the the thing that generates you know the tide is is the moon phase and how the gravitational pull of of the moon and the earth create the low and high tides. So uh, you'll have different uh, variations of the water level based on the gravitational pull. But the basic scenario of a, of a tidal system is that you have a high tide, whereas the water is the highest in the water column, and then you would have a low tide, where it's the lowest in the column. And the, the tide will go out, meaning to run from the headwaters toward the ocean is the tide going out and then you'll have an ebb tide for a period which the tide doesn't move it doesn't go out or in and then you will that's about a 15 or 20 minute process and then the tide will turn around and come back in running from the from the ocean up toward the headwaters so uh, that's when you would have your highest tide and then obviously the other would be when you had your lowest tide well i know specifically on when while fishing the hudson yeah, it, it seemed as if the, the tide was fluctuating approximately about three feet from the time that we started from the time that, you know, from high tide to low tide. In addition to that, then you have the river current, you know, from that flowing. We also had some wind 
uh, you know, playing on that. Are there conditions that you like or that you favor more than others as far as, you know, low tide versus high tide? Definitely. Um, the title... The tidal fluctuation will, you know, kind of as I talked about a little bit, will affect the positioning of the fish. Um, the Hudson, in particular, is a very interesting uh, estuary because on a high tide, well, you've got first of all, you've got smallmouth and largemouth in the Hudson River as far as you know what type of fish we we were targeting, and um, on a high tide, generally it's easier to target the smallmouth. And the reason for that is because the water is high and gets over top of the gravel areas, over the sandbars, and the areas that they come up to utilize to feed on the prey that, that uh, you know, wander in those particular areas. On a low tide, it's easier to catch largemouth bass on the, on the Hudson. And the reason for that is because the water is drawn down, basically you have a smaller pool of water where those fish can hide. And instead of being able to... Uh, be all over, you know, or utilize the entire piece of a log at a low tide situation. They'll only be able to utilize the piece that's that's in the water. So it just kind of um, it it lowers the or it shrinks the strike zone area for those fish, and the, it shrinks the cover that they utilize for living. Well, I know one of the things that I found is, you know, it's not that necessarily that those fish are not catchable. Use the antithesis of your example. You know, with smallmouth on high tide, largemouth on low tide, mm -hmm. it's just that it's about maximizing your efficiency. That's you know, for individuals whom have limited time or maybe not there for the entire week, you know, to to do that and try and catch those. If you want to maximize that, that's just a great rule of thumb to apply to to get out there and increase the number of catch. Definitely, and and, it, and it's by day too. If if you're able to uh, fish in the afternoon, because you know you worked hard all day and and you want to go out and enjoy some time out fishing, um, take a look at the tide tables before you go. Understand if it's going to be a high tide, you might be able to target smallmouth a little bit easier, or if it's a low tide, you might want to look at targeting largemouth because, as you indicated, it's going to put your percentages on a higher level to catch that particular fish based on what the tide's doing. You know, you had referenced uh, talking about the tide tables. Give us some resources on on where to you know where we can find those. Okay, yeah the the, the easiest way is if you have internet access and go to uh, the NOAA website uh, www.noaa.com and they have a section there for tides and you go to the particular region in your country and uh, utilize uh, their search bar and you can find when the high tides and low tides are in specific areas. They not only break it down by the river system, but also they'll break it down by certain sections of the river so you'll know what section of the river it's high in a particular area versus low in, a, in another area okay so that's strictly for navigational purposes is it, you know on those tide tables yeah it's more that's correct it's more for commercial um use so that uh, big barges that utilize the rivers or, or or ships that that are moving up and down and working the rivers will have a better gauge and understanding of of what the tide flow is um and, and i think they utilize that primarily for the navigational part of, you know, being being careful to go through a certain area when it's low tide because there may be a lot of sandbars or flats in an area where it's maybe easier passage on a high tide. Situation. Also, something to keep uh, keep in mind when navigating. One hundred percent. That plays a big role. It plays uh, a big role, especially here on the Hudson, with which you know the, the fluctuation is so great. You can you can uh, access some areas on a high tide that that you wouldn't even attempt to access on a low tide. You take an area like the Hudson, for instance, but you go further south, get on the Potomac. Tide, uh, in in your opinion, 
favor your style, or does it? You, you just need to look at uh, look at the fluctuation and, and just adapt. Yeah, on the Potomac, it's a little bit different, but just because the estuary is a little bit different, you you have some smallmouth on the Potomac, but uh, very few. Your your primary target there would probably be largemouth. If you want to put your percentages in the in the in the best basket, you you definitely go over after largemouth on the Potomac River. And so then, just like we did on the Hudson, we want to key on largemouth on a low tide. That's when the best fishing time is on the Potomac as well. We take the uh, last two hours of the outgoing and the, la- and the first two hours of the incoming is the best time to be on the water to try and catch fish. So if you were you know, a weekend going out on the weekend and you only had three or four hours that you were able to fish, Again, a great thing to do would be able to check that tide table. If you know it's going to be 3 o'clock before low tide starts, do all the lawn work in the morning. That way you can you can maximize your fishing time in the afternoon and have a better chance to catch fish. One of the things that I realize is, you know, if, if you're dealing with, let's say, a man-made reservoir that uh, has a dam of which they're releasing water, you know, in, in fishing that, that reminds me a lot of a tidal system or of a, just fishing a river that has current mm-hmm. because I one of the things that I've realized that when that tide is moving you have water current that's correct and it has almost in my mind less to do with where the water level is but you had mentioned you know the first couple hours of the incoming or the, or the first couple hours of the outgoing right. um, what, what is that doing in, in your opinion with regards to why are those fish getting active during that period of time? Well, the most re- the reason they're most active that time is because you're pulling the bait and the and their prey out of their their sanctuary. You're pulling them out to the edge where they're more vulnerable. So, for instance, if you know you have some eelgrass or uh, logs in which you know the, the bass are stationed on for ambush points, now all of a sudden it's it's created a, a different scenario to That's where cool. somebody's on the hunt. That's correct, and the and the prey become easier hunt easier to hunt. Just like if if we were you know out hunting and you had a hundred acre forest, well if you had a a hundred acres of land and only fifty acres would forest, then it's going to be a little bit easier to find those prey that are utilizing the other fifty without you know the forest. A little bit about bait choice, um, tidal water when when you approach a tidal water versus say a, a reservoir any difference there yeah i think generally you use a little bit smaller baits um i think that that would probably be if if there was one big scenario that that you would change over fish and tidal waters versus a reservoir was you'd go to smaller profile baits i think the biggest reason for that is your bait in general is a little bit smaller um they fight the current all the time they just don't get as big they're more they're more um how should i say uh they have to be more agile, so they move around a lot more, and they just become more lean and 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 not as fat as as they do on uh, on inland bodies of water. Well, I know from the tidal water experience that I have, it certainly doesn't necessarily mean that the fish are any smaller. No, definitely. <laughs> you know, I I love catching current fish. You know, what I would consider current fish, meaning in a river, yep, uh, because they're used to fighting that current all the time. Likewise, when you throw the tide in there. Good night. I mean, it is get your arm. You know, you, you want to get your rod bent. That That's just, correct. 
a lot of too what you can take from from uh, fishing if if your if your home body of water is is a lake and uh, you're used to you know fishing a lake and you like to run up the river and or the headwaters of that particular lake you can use a lot of the information and techniques that that you would take there and bring them to the tidal water fishery because not only does the water fluctuate you know up and down but if you kind of take that out of focus and don't worry about that too much for your first time when you're coming to a tidal water those fish are still relating to the current and uh, that would be the same type of thing you'd seen at, at an inland waterway would be the current coming through the headways if you take that knowledge and information that you have to a tidal water and utilize you know the eddies uh, how fish position behind logs or rocks or those types of things an inland water fisherman can easily translate and have success to tidal water fishing as well. So elaborate a little bit on, let's say if you're approaching a, a new uh, body of tidal water, what uh, what are some of the areas that, that you're trying to clue in or focus on to see, to find those first aggressive fish? Uh, definitely the current breaks. Um, wherever you find a current break would be an excellent ambush point for, for any fish or in any prey, especially bass. Um, any, any place where you know the the current. You know a log is in the water and it's breaking the current. The fish would be right behind the log, waiting for an easy meal to to swim by. So those current breaks, I think, are the easiest thing to break down on tidal waters. One of the things with fishing is that you know we can read, we can listen, and uh, but compiling all that information together, along with experience, you know that's that's how you get better. Tidal tidal water, uh, in my mind, is no different. That's correct. You know, when I, I grew up fishing tidal water, so for me, it, it was almost natural. And when I started fishing inland waterways, lakes, uh, reservoirs, it was a new process. And it took time. It took experience, you know, and time on the water and a lot of trial and error before I understood how fish related to a cove with no current. <laughs> Where were they at? Where were they going? Of course, you know, you understand the same seasonal patterns, you know, the springs, the falls, the summers, and, and you know, how fish relate and react in those particular situations. But in, an, in a tidal water versus an inland waterway, it is totally different. And so you have to just generate on past experience and create new experiences for yourself so that you can have success. And, and again, it's, it's just a lot of trial and error to make new success happen at a new location. It's all about fishing the moment, just being aware of surroundings and... That's correct. Fishing the moment, fishing your gut. You know, that's, that's one thing that um, a lot of people, I think, they forget. You know, they think everything is, is uh, the way it should be because that's the way they read it in the book or that's the way they saw it on a show or that's the way they heard it in a podcast. But a lot of time what you want to do is, is fish your gut. Fish what you feel is right. Fish what you have confidence in because our mentality... Of, of fishing is probably the most important part of it. You have to have confidence in what you're doing before you're going to be able to have success at it. So I think confidence in your mental outlook of what you're going to be doing is probably the most important thing rather than exactly what you are doing. Well, Kurt, I, I sincerely appreciate the expertise that you brought in the area of, of tidal water. Certainly had a great time in fishing the Hudson. I wish we could sit here and, and keep going on, but uh, we'll have to continue that another day. Thanks so much for being part Thank of you. this. Thank you. I appreciate it. I had a great time. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge.
Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140 and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. Hello and welcome back. It's time for our first weekly giveaway here on The Edge. So if you've been sending in your registration over the past two podcasts, then your name was officially in our drawing this week. For those of you who are listening for the first time, each week on The Edge, we are going to have a drawing for a prize package provided by one of our sponsors. To register for that prize, you just need to send in an email to podcast, and that is P as in Paul, O. D-C-A-S-T at BassEdge.com. Again, podcast at BassEdge.com. Most importantly, in the subject line, put product giveaway and be sure to include your name and address in the body of the email so we know where to ship the prize to you if you win. This week, we have a nice selection of products from Mother's Wax, who this year, they are introducing a new line of marine products that are truly, truly awesome. Uh, Many of you are probably already aware that they have a line uh, in the auto industry for detailing and car care, and they have since transferred that over into the marine line. So excited for you guys to be able to uh, uh, use some of that like I have been and experience what a great job that that does. And the winner of that prize package is Michael Hubbard from Loveland, Colorado. So congratulations, Michael. We will get your prize package shipped off later this week, so watch for it in the mail. Now, each week we are going to delete all the previous entries and start fresh. And there is no limitation to how many times you can enter and win, although we do ask that you only enter one time per week. So if you did or did not win this week, send us another email to podcast at BassEdge.com, again with the subject line, product giveaway, and your address uh, so that you'll have another opportunity to win next week. Okay, we are going to take one more short break, and then we'll be right back to speak with none other than Mr. Chemist, Craig Burnett from Mother's Wax. So don't go away. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. I had the pleasure of being joined by Craig Burnett, known as Mr. Chemist for Mothers, Polishes, Waxes, and Cleaners. Craig, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Very happy to be here. You know, one of the things that I've come to appreciate out of Mothers over the years is being introduced to their uh, vehicle or automobile uh, detailing products. Phenomenal line there, but... I've got to say, I'm so excited to to get into and dive into the Marine Line product. Yeah, we're very proud to come out with this line. It took a long time to develop it. I've wanted to come out it, with it for a number of years. Um, I'm a boating enthusiast myself, so um, I was constantly formulating the products, uh, not even really you know looking toward the future and having a Marine Line, but it just kind of happened naturally. Well, and you bring up a good point, you know, talking about formulating. 
there there has to be a difference between you know detailing an automobile and detailing a boat, whether it be aluminum or fiberglass boat. Sure, absolutely. You're in a different environment altogether. Um, water spots are very prevalent in in the world of uh, marine world. Of course, uh, fresh water has its own set of problems with mineral deposits and and the scum line that you get around the hull. And then, of course, in the ocean, you got a whole new set of uh, issues to deal with. You got your salt water degradation and uh, all the marine life that uh, attacks the hull out there too. So yeah, there's a big difference between trying to deal with uh, you know fiberglass that's in a marine environment and an automotive environment. Big difference. What about as far as you know when you get into detailing a, a boat and and keeping it clean? You know, how does the product or is there any residue that's left on the hull? You know, talk about some of the environmental. Well. The products are biodegradable. Any, any liquid that we use in the marine uh, industry is biodegradable. It has to be. Uh, the waxes and polishes are um, not considered biodegradable if you were to dump them into right. a, a lake or a stream. But as you use them on the, on the uh, vessel itself, there's such a small molecular layer and all of the anything that might be uh, environmentally hazardous has evaporated. It's it doesn't go into the into the lake or into the water at all. Well, and I would like to think that by you know a putting putting that protective coating uh, on on the boat not only helps uh, take care of it, but also from the standpoint of you know you keep it clean, it's, it's going to prevent the spread of disease and bacteria. Uh, you know, zebra mussels. Right. As you go from one lake to another, we want to you know we want to maintain the ecosystem of each lake yes. and, and try not to contaminate and, and detailing a boat uh, definitely lends itself to doing just that. I know personally, I mean, I, I love to, to take care of um, not only the vehicle but also the boat from the standpoint of not because I like to do that but also from a resale standpoint, you know, resale value. Oh yeah, I, I, I remember one time when I had been working for Mothers for a short period of time and I had a little pickup truck. And I had maintained that with Mother's products over the, a few years. And when I went to turn that car back in, it was a lease. Um, frankly, I got a much better deal than mm -hmm. Joe Average did. Why? Because I'm out there on a weekly basis maintaining that vehicle. And it looked like it had just been driven off the showroom floor. So uh, my lease, my, the, guy, uh, the guy who took the vehicle back said, I'm keeping this one. Mm -hmm. And the, the funny thing about that is, I mean, that's exactly, it translates over into the boat sure. market as well. Because, you know, even prior to Mothers coming out with the specific marine line, I'd used uh, the automobile side of, uh, of the product. And, you know, I, the last boat that I sold, the individual called me up and said, you know, what did you use to, to detail this boat? You know, this thing looks brand new. And so anyway, you know, that, that just speaks volumes for itself. How about, as you know, what is the process? I like things to be quick and simple and self-explanatory. Can you help us understand what is the best way and what's the best method to approach? Uh, well, sure. Um, I, I, I think you and I had discussed this earlier. I think the most important thing you can do is when you take the, the boat out of a lake, the first thing you do is spray it down with an instant detailer. Mother's makes a good product called Showtime. Spray it with the instant detailer. Wipe it down so that you don't get any of the water spotting, so that you can get rid of that bacteria immediately. We're, 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 we're doing some pre-work here. And the boat will look good going down the road, just taken out of the lake. Um, that's the first thing that I would recommend that you do. 
What about when you know you have because there's a lot of downtime to to an angler as well. You know, to where you're there on the weekend, you get a nice day, and you want to you know run out and and wash the boat, uh, wash the tow vehicle. Where where do you start at that point? Well, I always start with a good wash and wax product. Um, there's nothing quite like a good old you know biodegradable soap to mm-hmm. get the grime off. So. Let's, let's and that's get, part of the combination, right, that has came out with the new marine Right, marine it has, has a marine wash and wax specifically uh, designed for boats. Um, fortunately, um, the, the marine industry and the boating industry supports a higher price point because it's very important because this is not your average wash and wax formula. It's expensive to manufacture. We couldn't introduce it into the automotive world because it's considered a commodity in that world. But in the marine world, um, they're willing to spend a few more dollars on a product like this, and it shows because I can put the money into the product, which makes it a much more effective cleaning uh, product, and, and it doesn't, and it really does look like you've just waxed it a- after you've used the product. So uh, this is a, what we call a built product. There's a lot of good solid chemistry in it. Okay. So backing up, we pull it out of the water. Let's say we've used it. We take uh, the instant de- detailer, such right. as the Showtime, of which I carry in my boat, wipe that down. We're back. Now we're at a standpoint of, of pulling out of the garage. We have that nice day or have some spare time. We're going to run out and wash the boat. We get a, a bucket of water and put the wash and wax and just use it just like a soap. Just, just like you would any other uh, normal type of wash. You know, you get yourself a wash mitt and if you need some long handle brushes, you know, that are soft and gentle to reach areas that you can't quite get to or a ladder. Uh, whatever it takes to get the soap suds, you know, all over the boat and, and get that grime off. Um, and then we take important. it from the wash to, yeah, I know you have a, a product. Talk a little bit about the uh, black streak remover. Well, you know, black streaks happen from loading the boat on, on and off trailers, um, whatever. They just, you know, up against rub rails or uh, of other boats or in the docks. So the black streak remover is... Uh, it's a strong but, how would I say, it's a strong but gentle product. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's perfectly safe for your fiberglass hull, but it's strong enough to remove those black streaks. Kind of yeah. like the old adage of strong enough for a man but made for a woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, also, you know those, uh, when you get those rain marks that run down yes. the rub rails, those dark marks, it'll, it'll remove those too. So okay. it's, it's, a, it's a good, effective product for removing those black streaks. And then good idea to follow it up with with wax absolutely um, mothers has created a marine uh, cleaner wax which does two things it's a it's a it polishes the boat which is very very important and it leaves a coating of wax behind now most people don't know that the secret to a shine is polishing um, a boat surface looks dull because it has little scratches in it that bend the light so instead of the light going in you know right off that surface and straight back to your eye it's being refracted by all these little scratches so what you want to do is minimize those scratches by polishing them and the process of polishing takes those large scratches and just replaces them with the tiniest tiniest little scratches that the eye cannot perceive and that's what makes a boat shine is the polishing but then you need to protect it as well so uh, we've used some good synthetic and carnauba wax technology in the uh, marine cleaner wax to protect the boat uh, and give it that extra shine. So backing up one step, to, to maximize that shine, if I want the best shine that I can get, any, any 
tidbits or on the way to go about making sure that you get the best out of that shine? Well, it, it, on large surfaces, machinery is not bad, you know. Uh, get a Porter Cable DA. It's a dual action um, polisher. Um, and use that to apply the wax with because it, it can do a lot more polishing action in, in random motions than your hand is capable of, frankly. So I would suggest that you get... I, the Porter Cable happens to just be my favorite. Sure. And uh, some nice soft foam pads with the cleaner wax on. Let the machine do the work for you. And then also... When it comes to removing wax, use a microfiber towel. Microfiber towels in the detailing industry have just become a staple. They're so important. Um, literally, the, the fibers are so tiny at the ends that they cannot scratch. So it's a scratch-free cloth. Remarkable piece. So two keys sounds to me that uh, where some of us may, pardon the pun, be missing the boat is in the polishing and then also in the removal making sure that you take right. advantage of that microfiber towel. Microfiber technology is a fantastic technology that we all should be taking advantage of. A um, little bit about, I know, some of the other, two of the other products that I want to make sure and mention in our last little bit of time is the power plastic and then the power metal. You know, what, there's a lot of plastic and, and yeah. uh, on a bass boat and a little bit of metal. You know. Yeah, the power plastic is for clear plastics. It's like for your, um, oh, your windscreen, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, it'll it'll keep it clear. Um, it, again, it is a p true polish. So those little scratches that do in fact get in there can oh, yeah. be removed on the windshield. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's a great product for the windshield. Um, and while we're talking about that, it can be used in conjunction with our new power ball. Okay. Which is of course a, a foam ball that you put on the end of it. Now, are you talking about the same, the, the big power ball, or are you talking about like the, the small power ball that I use for my, you know, mag aluminum wheels and stuff like that? Well, think of it this way. We make two, two marine power balls. We make, make a five-inch power ball, which is great for, for large surfaces, and we make a mini power ball, which is great for smaller areas. So we have, we have got you covered. It, it depends on you know, what, what substrates you're polishing. If you're polishing a large area, say like diamond plate on your trailer, mm -hmm. get the big ball out and use some power metal polish. If you're polishing maybe a small piece of clear plastic, uh, get, the, get the power plastic polish out and the mini power ball and use that. So it, there's, there's two sizes of the tool that you can use. You know, I just want to say thank you so much for, for really being of, of, of great help. Um, I, I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am that, uh, that Mothers finally has the Marine line outstanding in the automobile side. And, um, you know, how, how can people check more or find out more about, uh, about the products and the steps that goes behind it, as well as some of the great things that Mothers has out there? Well, um, probably the best place is our website, mothers.com. Um, shows the full product line there, and there's a lot of educational material on there too. You'd be surprised. Um, also, there's a wax forum that we have, waxforum.com. Um, right now, it's pretty much restricted to automotive enthusiasts, but mm -hmm. that's not to say that in the future, um, you know, the, the, some some boaters might not might might crop up sure. there. But there's a lot of good resources at, at mothers.com that you can rely upon and also don't forget we're always available for a, for a phone call we're in the 1-800 phone book um 1-800-221-8257 and we love to talk to people i mean 
Well, I know, Craig, we're certainly going to try and maximize uh, your knowledge uh, for the for the bass enthusiasts and the boating enthusiasts as well. And I just can't tell you how much we appreciate uh, you sharing with us. Well, we are simply out of time. It never ceases to amaze me when you get to talk about fishing, how quickly that time goes by. But it's it's been a great day. Uh, I want to thank Kurt Dove for his expertise on tidal water systems. And be sure to check out our weekly television show on the Versus Network at 7.30 a.m. Wednesdays and 7 a.m. Sundays, Central Standard Time. And for plenty of additional information, don't forget our website at BassEdge.com. Next week, great lineup. We have David Strahan, a Texas native, to talk not only about big fish, but also as far as selecting a guide, what to look for whenever you're going to take one of those fishing trips. In addition, we have one of the world's largest battery manufacturers, Steve Sacheray from East Penn will be here to talk about things that every bass fisherman needs to know. So don't miss that one. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management System, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.